Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls. Andrew Forbes, Peter Barrichini, and Alex Hoffman. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Sticks in the Six, episode 84. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with the boys, Alex Hobson and Peter Barracchini. And boys, before we get into hockey talk, um, obviously, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show started. Big storm hit Ontario. Uh, lots of people affected without power. Uh, some didn't make it, unfortunately, but uh, glad to see you boys are safe. Let's kick it off with Peter this week. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, week was going good up until that storm. I mean, lucky for me, power was only out for like a few hours. And, you know, I, I know that some people are still dealing with the aftermath of what happened. You know, like you mentioned, some people lost their lives. Some people are still without power and they're having it rough. And you, you just got to feel for them at that point. And, you know, it just hopefully things turn around for them because this is a really, really bad storm at a really basically early on in the season where you don't see stuff like this often. So really scary and really, really messed up storm that just affected everybody. Yeah. I mean, thankfully we're not a, we're not a podcast about climate change because I wouldn't know where the hell to go from here, but um, <laughs> Alex, uh, how you doing this week, buddy? Uh, I'm doing good. I uh, had the scariest drive of my life yesterday uh, in the middle of that storm. But uh, like, like you guys said, we all made it out safe and sound, which is good. Um, if you're watching right now, you can see I'm decked out in my Blue Jays gear. I, was, I, I just actually got back from watching the Jays uh, only manage four hits against the worst team in baseball and lose 3-2. But Joey Votto, because, man. Joey Votto. Yeah, I know. You know what? If anyone was going to do it, I'm glad it's him. Yeah. But, yeah. Man, it's, isn't it just so fitting that the last home run he likely ever hits at Rogers Center is – is in his last game there. Beautiful. Um, yeah. it, it's it, it is it, it it's is. Poetic. There's a certain part of that that you can't you can't really be mad at if you're a fan of the sport. Um, it's kind of funny because when the Leafs were in the playoffs, even though it only lasted about two weeks, um, I totally tuned out the Jays. So I you know I I was seeing headlines here and there. You know, offense struggling a little bit. I was like, okay, that's fine. You know what? They're a good team. They'll figure it out. Um, so yeah, shout out to these guys for showing me how truly horrible they have been struggling lately <laughs> like I, I i tuned it out because i was like i'm obviously all my focus is going towards the leafs right now and you know the jays slump here and there but they never truly have it there they never truly lose it but my god man like just watching them today they 
The amount of they runners they leave on horrible. base. They like the offense just shriveled yeah. up and died. And I'll tell you right now, like you say, Kikuchi, he had a good start. I think he allowed like two earned runs in the first inning. They made him work a lot. Like I think he got up to 35 pitches in the first inning. He still turned around and fired like what, 4.2 innings and had seven strikeouts. And he let, he kept them to two runs. And you'd think that for a team like the Jays, that's more than enough, but no, it, it's horrible. And you know what? Vladdy Jr., as much as I love the guy, I'm wearing his jersey right now. He looked, a, he looked a lot like the version of Vladdy that we saw in 2019 and 2020 this year mm-hmm. and, and in this game. Like, he just – no real plan at the plate. Just sort of he, – he, he looked like a rookie. Like, he's trying to figure out the, the – figure out pitching and maybe overthinking his at-bats too much. And you know what? He, he – like, even lately, like, all of his hits have been – all of his hits have been meaningless singles. So it's unfortunate to see Vladdy like that, considering the MVP numbers he was putting up last year. And hopefully they can figure it out soon. Yeah. Sorry, I know we're not a baseball podcast. I just had to air my grievances on that because that was, man. If I didn't like, if I didn't like going to Jays games in general and just being there for the experience, and I would have been a lot more pissed off about that effort. But you know, what yeah. are you gonna do? I'm actually gonna I, go off of the, what you were saying real quick here because uh, I think sitting at home and watching the game, hearing Dan Shulman, who I think is one of the greatest play-by-play guys in, in all of sports. Absolutely. Um, I, you get a little bit more of the same thinking as he's got going on. And he's, he's all about, you know, how, how the offense is slumping. He truly believes that by June, they're going to turn it around because mm-hmm. they haven't had their full lineup until recently where Teoscar Hernandez came back. Um, pitching wasn't, amazing off the top now it's now it's one of the Coming best back to earth. rotations right now in in, in the game um and, and i will say they did spoil a, a a relatively decent start by kikuchi after he you know had i went three walks in the first inning mm-hmm. uh pitched 36 pitches in the first inning um and, and you know what that that was a lot of the reason that first inning went the length that it did was because of uh to my knowledge, anyways, a couple of missed calls by the umpires. Oh, hundred percent. Day, day 100%. ending and why? <laughs> I was my seats were up in the five hundreds behind home plate, so like if a pitch was really outside or really inside, I could see, I could tell that. But um, aside from that, I didn't really have the expert uh, strike zone view that you get on TV. So no, Pete, there Pete were a Walker was all over him again. Same story, Walker different day. All over him. Um, I think there was a the shocker. Cons- there was in when the Jays were at the plate. I think there were like three strikes or three pitches that were at, like, you know, the far right, the bottom right corner of the strike zone. One was borderline. It could have gone either way. Same same thing, borderline could have gone either way. But one that was further out, he called a strike. And it's like, dude, come on. Like, like yeah. what, what can we get robot umpires right now? Because this is just absolutely atrocious. I will say, watching Vladdy, I do think they're pitching him a little differently this season. But mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, I think he'll be the first one to admit to you that he's he's missing a few. And whether it's timing yeah. is just a little off, um, I think you know, like it, it it sucks because today's game was a winnable game against a guy who's making his MLB debut, um, and, and he didn't look great. Um, but yeah, I mean, aside from that, what what a way to end it, Joey Votto, possibly his last game in in Canada. Um, and, uh, before we get to hockey, I got to ask you guys, Joey Votto, is he a hall of famer? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a big discussion. A lot of people saying like, I, I guess was it Pat Tabler saying that the, uh, the big conversation right now in Cincinnati is who was the better overall player, Pete Rose or, um, Joey Votto when it comes to, sorry, 
best overall hitter. Um, and, and it was a big conversation, I guess. And um, anyways, Joey Votto's got like, I think the 30th best on base on plus slugging percentage uh, historically in the MLB. So, I mean, safe to say he might not be a first ballot hall of famer, but at some point that guy's getting in and, and well-deserved for yet another great Canadian ball player. That said, let's get into our hockey talk and why not kick it off with Mark Giordano signing a two-year extension with the Leafs, not for the minimum, 800,000. I think the minimum they said uh, would be 762 over the next two years. Um, so just, just a little higher than the minimum, but takes a Jason Spezza contract to stay with the Leafs for another two years. Alex, what are your thoughts on Mark Giordano? I love it. I'm, I, I couldn't be happier with that signing. And you know what, during the playoffs and towards the end of the season, I think there was always that consensus that the Leafs were going to try and bring Giordano back on a cheaper contract. You know, Toronto boy, he, he was a great veteran on the back end. He sort of serves, he sort of does for the defenseman what Jason Spezza does for the forwards. And, um, you know, we saw this year the impact that he had on players like Timothy Lilligren and even Justin Hall. Like, Justin Hall still made his mistakes here and there, but he looked a lot better when he was playing alongside Gio. Um, so I couldn't be happier that he came back. I just definitely didn't expect it to be at the price tag that he's he's coming back for. You know, I, I saw a tweet today saying, Evolving Wild, uh, their projection for Mark Giordano had him making $5.3 million next year, I think it was. So the fact that the Leafs are able to get him back for two years with an average annual value of $800,000, I, I, I think that's an amazing move to kick off the offseason. I mean, you know, fans obviously want to see change, and we're seeing Friedman touch on, you know, saying, oh, the Leafs could potentially make a big uh, bombshell move this summer, a big splash at some point. And we all love the offseason speculation, but I, I, I think that's one move that every fan, whether you hate Kyle Dubas and want him fired or you love him and you defend him like we do, um, I think that's one move that everyone can get behind. And, uh, you know, bringing Giordano back, it's going to it's gonna bring up some questions for the rest of the defensive core, which I'm, I'm working on an article about right now. But um, I couldn't be happier that they decided to bring him back because the impact that he made in the dressing room and the impact he made on the ice with some of the younger defensemen uh, was pretty obvious there. There's fireworks happening outside my window right now. Sorry, it just distracted <laughs> me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I couldn't be happier. And, you know, it's nice to see him kind of follow in the footsteps of Jason Spezza in that sense, because I think that's a mindset that, that could really serve as uh, purposeful in the, in the dressing room for uh, the younger players. And it's sort of, it's a lead by example thing which we've obviously Spets has been doing year in and year out for the Leafs. So it's great to see Giordano back in Toronto. And uh, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what kind of role he has with the team next year. And uh, I, for, for his sake, I hope the Leafs can pull out a, a playoff run beyond one round in the future, but uh, obviously that's a lot easier said than done. So we'll see, we'll revisit that in a year's time. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up that tweet. I saw the same one. 5.1 million is what they said. He was projected okay. at for the next two years. So to get him at under a million is just unheard of. And it, and it's just such a dubious move. Get a Toronto guy in there. who wants to stay around his aging family and, and, and uh, you know, make it count. Uh, Peter, your thoughts on Mark Giordano signing for two, two more years at 800 K. Well, at least we're getting two players at the end of their career coming to hometown on hometown discount. So I was hoping Joey Votto would do the same with the Jays, um, <laughs> you know, uh, backtracking a little bit, but uh, getting hey, back oh. on topic, um, 
You know what? I, I absolutely loved it. I, I love the deal. Everyone is saying, oh, you know, he's, you know, in his late 30s. Is he going to be the same? Well, he showed that even with the Seattle Kraken, he was still playing extremely well. I mean, 23 points in 55 games, another 12 and 20 with the Maple Leafs. I, I, I don't have my, I, I, I can't math at the top of my head, but the 12 and 20 seems like an on par uh, point per game average of what he was having with the Kraken. So in total, he had 34 points. And as a 38-year-old right now, I mean, that's pretty impressive to still put up 30-plus points at that age with minimal ice time in a third-pairing role. It's, it, to be honest, I think it's great. Uh, you, can't get, you can't ask for better. And even looking at some of the advanced numbers uh, with Timothy Lilligren, because they had great chemistry, um, the, sec- the third best or tied for the second best uh, goals for – percentage was 62.5.50 the they had the fourth best 61.08 expected goals for percentage in terms of scoring chances for they had a little bit lower but still a decent number 57.23 and high danger chances for they were the top with 66.15 every single time they were on the ice. So they were getting damage. They were doing a lot of damage offensively and they mitigated a lot of chances defensively as well. So for Giordano to have that effect on Lilligren, who is still an up and comer, still learning the ropes and sort of found more consistency in his game. That's what you want. That's the type of player that you want to surround your younger players with. And the fact that they complemented each other, that you start to see some similarities between the way Giordano played and Lilligren played. Great passing with breakouts, uh, speed and transition, and even getting physical and laying the body at times too. Both of them aren't afraid to lay a hit. So the fact that they had that going for them and the fact that they shouldn't have been broken up in the playoffs, um, I think they want to get more consistency out of that. They want to see more of that because that was a fun pairing. And yeah, 800K. I, I, when, I saw, when I saw the deal, I thought, okay, you know, if it's going to be a good deal, probably thinking about 1.3, 1.5 max getting less than a, a million, that's beautiful. You can't ask for better. Yeah, I'm going to pump my own tires here a little bit and say I was all Feel over it. it when the Leafs were uh, – when the Leafs brought him in, I was I was all over Gio coming to Toronto. Mm-hmm. You were um, all over Gio coming to Toronto before they brought him in. Well, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. You're selling yeah. yourself short before. here. Once you didn't before, become, you didn't, before. Yeah, you didn't become the hockey oracle after Giordano. Right? <laughs> hey, I, I'm the outsider insider. There you um, go. <laughs> but uh, no, boys, I like I. I'm so glad that they they found a way to keep him. I think, uh, like you said, Peter, for for what he did to to bring Lilligren's game to the next level. I mean, we we saw that from day one when they started playing together. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned they shouldn't have they shouldn't have been broken up in the playoffs. Uh, to, to to bring in Hall was just a, a major mistake. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think what he's done for that core and I'll tell you, I, I heard Nathan Gerby on a, on a recent, uh, pod episode of a podcast. And, um, he was talking about how some of those guys that those older guys that are just trying to get on a run, you know, you pay them until they're 60 years old just to be in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. Cause what they offer you is, is so much more than some of these young guys. And, and that's why like, I'm hoping that this doesn't take away from the Leafs potentially bringing Jason Spezza back as well. But, uh, I mean, you're talking about a guy who was undrafted, who's had to work his ass off his entire career to get to where he is. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he was the oldest player to win the Norris Trophy as well. 
yep. um, a couple years he was ago. Like thirty five years old when he did it. Yeah, yeah, so, eighteen I mean, nineteen. For him to do what he's done at, at the age of thirty five plus, um, th- that's pretty spectacular. And I mean, even even last season, I think he had two shorthanded goals in one game for the Seattle Kraken before he came over. So this is the guy who knows how to kill penalties, who can add stuff to the PK. Um, and, and he's just, he's going to be a major piece for this team. I, I think as a leadership, uh, from a leadership standpoint, and, and just from an offensive standpoint as well, I think he's going to do wonders for this team, even if he's on the bottom pairing. So uh, I, I love it. 800K, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't go wrong. Now, one thing I want to bring up before we move on from this topic, because I'm going to, I'm writing an article on it right now, and I'm going to finish it probably once we're done recording here. Um, you, this really makes me wonder what the Leafs are going to do with their defense now that they've got Geo for the next yeah. two years. Because now your left side has Morgan Riley, Mark Giordano, Jake Muzzin, Rasmus Sandin. We've seen Rasmus Sandin try and play the right side before. Doesn't really work. Not something that I would want to commit to for a year or for the next two years, rather. So I got to wonder if bringing in Mark Giordano means that Jake Muzzin's time in Toronto is, is coming to an end. And it's a tough question to ask, and there's going to be some hurdles to get over to make it work because Muzzin does have the no-move or the no-trade clause for next year. So uh, he would have to waive that. Either that or, I don't know, maybe there's a discussion about his long-term health to be had, but I'm not going to speculate on that. If he is good to go next year, which I think we should all be under the assumption that he will be, um, moving Jake Muzzin will only happen if he waves his, waves his no trade clause. And I kind of, I, I put a tweet out about this the other or earlier today too, actually when, when the signing happened and I floated the idea of p- potentially Sandine being a trade ship as well, but I don't think Sandine's going to be a trade ship here because realistically, when you look at your two guys, you're most likely to move to make, to make room for Giordano. It would be those two because you're not moving Morgan Riley and anybody else. I mean, you're not going to strip somebody from the left side, just add another left-handed defenseman mm-hmm. to the core. Right. So I think Justin Hall is gone. We already know that he's, he's probably not coming back. And you know, if the Leafs somehow find a way to bring him back, you know, it'll be on a Brinson type deal. Um, so I, I just have to wonder what the Leafs are going to do with their defensive core. Now that they've got geo back in the fold, because that's the one thing that kind of always nagged in the back of my mind when we were speculating whether or not he would come back it's like okay I'm sure the Leafs would love to bring him back because you know that he can uh, you know what he can do and you know he'll come back for a cheap price or you you can probably get him back for one but what are they going to do with their defensive core and now they've brought him back so I'm just I don't know I guess I'll throw it over to you guys what do you think is the move here because I said that if they decide to move someone if they if they decide to move Rasmus Sandin which like I said I don't think they'll do but if he were to be the guy on the way out, it would have to be for a big name player where he would be the centerpiece because the Leafs think highly about him. Um, I think he just sort of lost his spot this year because he got injured at an unfortunate time and there wasn't really a place to put him when he came back. So I, I want to know, I guess, what do, what do you guys think the plan is and what, what do you think um, is going to happen now that Giordano is here? Because the, the, that, that defensive core is pretty busy. I know. I'll, I'll take this real quick here because I, I know you don't want to speculate, but there is a part of me that after Muzzin got hit that second time and he went down, I, I, I truly, I mean, I've, I've had two concussions myself. So I, I kind of like, I can't even compare to what he's going through, but you have to wonder at what point does his, his, his long-term health become mm-hmm. an issue. And when you've had two in such a short time, I know that's when the conversation starts happening. So for me, I start to wonder is, 
is there an LTIR spot maybe opening up for Muzzin? It doesn't change the no trade clause. You don't have to jump over those hurdles you're, you're talking about, but you do have to, you know, kind of consider that that might be the route that these guys are going to go. Um, aside from that, I, I, I can't see them moving Sandine. I, I really can't. I just, that, that'd be, that'd be, they've waited too long for him and Lilligren to, to kind of get things going. Um, to move Sandine would just be, uh, it just would not make sense. It wouldn't make sense. Um, Peter, I don't know if you have anything that you wanted to add to that. Yeah, I think you're, if you're willing to move Rasmus Sandine at this point, um, I think it's it's got to be a name that you just can't refuse. It's got to be a big name deal. Like you, you literally can't turn down. I mean, that's the only way you're going to trade Rasmus Sandy because his upside and potential is just absolutely out of this world. And we saw what he was able to do um, this season before the injury started to kick in. I mean, we saw him start to get on a tear and look more comfortable. Jake Muzzin, on the other hand, like you said, the concussions are, you know, kind of... They're worrisome. Yeah, they they are. Like, how can you not be worried about it? And the the reason why they may want to hang on to him is the way that he played after he came back. He looked more comfortable, and he was a bit of a force in the playoffs. So, yeah, uh, he looked good now, but are you going to get the same Muzzin that struggled this season next season as well? Um, I, you, you got to do your due diligence on this. And if there's a deal that you can trade Jake Muzzin, you can't, you, you can't turn it down because five, as much as 5.625 is a decent cap hit, even for Jake Muzzin on this Maple Leafs team, it'll free up so many options and give them so much more to work with in terms of, you know, what to do with their remaining RFAs. Can that half that money or his salary be allocated to Sandine and Lilligren, similar to what they did with Patrick Marlowe and allocating that money to Andreas Johnson and Kasperi Kapanen? I mean, you, you got to think about that. It, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult scenario because, you know, he, he ever since he came over, he's been the ideal defenseman that you wanted to have. And for them to trade him off, I, I again – Changes are going to be happening this season, eh? whether if it involves someone from the core four, because I know that there was, I, I remember reading up on, you know, a piece from Matt Larkin over at Daily Faceoff, where if there's a deal for William Nylander, you wanted to try and make it as like a Jacob Chikrin kind of thing. And to me, that would be a really solid one not necessarily one for one, but a good deal to have. If you could have a good deal in place with Jake Muzzin to free up that cap space and not touch any of the core four, then do it. Cause then you could have Riley and Giordano in your top two or your top four pairing. And then you reunite Sandino Lilligram. And we all know how well Sandino Lilligram played together from the Marlies till now. Um, we've seen it. So uh, it's going to be interesting. It really is. I, I really do think that, there's something to be had here, but there are moves going to be coming. And because of the signing, this is just a domino effect. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I, I mean, the interesting thing is too, like um, there's a lot of conversation right now about whether the Leafs bring back Labushin as well. Um, mm-hmm. He's a guy who was, you know, dominant in his time with, with the Leafs played super defensively. He's a defensive minded guy. Uh, which is exactly what they need to play alongside a Morgan Riley or somebody else as well. That you know is more of a puck mover. Um, but and I want to I want to make it clear this is nothing against Jake Muzzin. I think 
Yeah. Big Muzzin's done what's what's been asked of him since coming over. The the problem is with Jake Muzzin, you've got him signed to uh, another two years at five point six million. And chances are Jake Muzzin's not gonna be on your top two parents at this mm-hmm. point in time, just with the health issues and what have you. You're not gonna see Jake Muzzin the same as he's been, you know, three, four, five seasons ago. It's not the same Jake Muzzin. He's 33 years old. Um, he's 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 played a lot of hard nosed hockey, which definitely you know changes changes the the longevity of his career. And when when you've got a guy like that eating up nearly seven percent of your cap, it, it it makes it tough to to really stand by him, right? Like it makes it tough to to say, yeah, you know, he's our guy. When you've got a guy like Giordano, who, yeah, I mean, he's 38 years old, but he's eating you know only like he's only eating up 800k um can still play the to the same extent as muzzin maybe not as much physically but he certainly plays a defensive game and he he like i like i said he brings up the game of of those he's playing with i think that's going to change the the mentality of this leafs team and you know maybe maybe kyle dubas goes to muzzin and says look you're not going to be playing as much you're not going to be seeing as many minutes as is there a trade that we can work out that'll help you out? And you never know, right? Like the thing is you have to remember too, is Jake Muzzin's a local kid as well. Yeah. Uh, I believe he's from Brantford, um, uh, Brantford or Woodstock, Woodstock, Woodstock. I believe. So yeah, he's, he's, he's local as well. So, I mean, here's another guy that probably doesn't want to go anywhere. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's so many questions on the Leafs D right now. And it, it is a good problem to have because you've got almost too many pieces. So at a certain point, you're going to be able to move something, but it's just about what, what move is the right move to make. And I, I, I think that's going to be the biggest question mark in this off season, along with obviously Jack Campbell, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know what the answer is to this one. If they do move on from Muzzin, I have the, I, I, I'm just I'm just spitballing here. I have no insider information. I have no idea what's going to happen with Sandine and Lilligren. But if they do sign Sandine and Lilligren, I wonder if Dubas looks to Vegas and what they did with Zach Whitecloud. A maybe identical six-year deals with a cap hit just under $3 because Zach Whitecloud is making 2.75. And, you know, he... he, he I'm a big Zach Whitecloud fan. One of the Maple Leafs to try and get him. Vegas is going to be in a cap crunch, so I don't know. I'm hoping that maybe they could try and swing a deal with them. But based on the production that Sandy and Lilligren had this year and the amount of minutes that they could play, if you're able to get to them under $3 million, I think that – and kind of a long-term deal, like midterm, five, six years, I think that sets you up for even better control. And – you're not going to be much in cap hell as you are right now by giving up 5 million to let's say Jake Muzzin. If you're able to free that and you're able to split the diff between the two and give that to Sandy Lilligren over five, six years, that's something that I would look at. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, we're talking so much about this off season. We might as well touch on your recent article, uh, Peter over at the hockey writers. Um, talking about the Leafs summer of Kauai mm-hmm. and the big thing with the Raptors was they traded away one of their pieces, one of their mainstay pieces that was supposed to get them to the promised land, supposed to win a championship. 
and was best friends with their point guard in Kyle Lowry. Uh, DeMar DeRozan obviously yeah. was that sacrificial lamb um, going to uh, San Antonio. Uh, in return, the Raptors brought in Kawhi Leonard, went on to win the championship. Now, let's get this straight. I'm in no way saying that the Leafs are going to go on and win a cup. Uh, but yeah, you are. Yeah, you I, are. <laughs> I, would lo- I would love to sit here and say that. There's a lot of speculation, though, coming from whether it be Elliot Friedman or whoever, that uh, the Leafs might have a a summer of Kawhi move up their sleeve. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you see as as a possibility for for this this kind of big move that's going to change the change the or reroute the the Maple Leafs in the come playoff time? It really is an interesting take that Freeman had. I mean, let's face it. I I do agree that you got to run it back with this team because they were the ones to have any sort of pushback against the Tampa Bay Lightning and dethroned back-to-back cup champs. I mean, we're seeing what Tampa Bay is doing right now to the Florida Panthers, just absolutely demolishing them in the three games. And, you know, Toronto was basically the only team over the past two seasons to probably give them any sort of fight. I think the New York Islanders also got them to within seven games. And then the Island uh, lightning came out on top last year, but Toronto had them on their heels just as much as the Islanders. And I think maybe more so with this team where they gave them a lot of extra scares. I, you want to try and get, or light a fire in them to say that, hey, yeah, we understand that you took major steps this season, but it still wasn't good enough. You lost. A loss is a loss. I get that. But at the same time, if you're going to come back with the same mentality and you don't make a move, that's a big gamble to take because you know what? Yeah, and I even believe Shanahan said something to the effect that we're not going to make excuses. I thought our players battled hard. I thought that they played well, and they lost a great hockey team. Uh, look forward to next year. There's always going to be new faces. Um, I, I'm assuming that this is in regards to Shan, uh, Keith and Dubas, but in, in regards to the roster, he said that Kyle built a very good hockey team, and he did. They lost to the Cup champs. You, you can't take anything away from that. But at what point do you make or do you decide to say, you know what? Yeah, we took a big step forward. We almost knocked off the champs, but it still wasn't good enough. What are we missing? That was kind of the same thing with the Toronto Raptors. We thought that they were going to go back and run it with the core when they said that they were, and then they didn't. And they traded, um, traded DeMar. And I absolutely love DeMar. I was absolutely shocked that that happened. And you don't want to try and do the same thing right now where you promise that we're not going to touch anybody in our core four, and then you move somebody into core four. It's like, that's just going to create a bad dynamic. But you know what? At this point, it is a business. And if someone needs to fall, I, 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 and if it does improve the team, I don't see how you can or, or how you can't do it. I mean, like, like I mentioned before, if there's a deal like what Matt, what Matt Larkin said about um, Nylander for Jacob Chikrin, how do you turn that down? You at least, as much as you want to keep William Nylander at this, after the season that he had, you need defense. And Jacob Chikrin is that kind of prototypical defender that you want to have at a two-way game, physical powerful shot that that to me would be somewhat a bit of an improvement over Jake Muzzin if you have Riley Chikrin Giordano as your three and then you maybe move on from Sandine again all hypothetical I'm not saying that you should just playing out a deal possibly 
I, it's tough. I mean, I, I, I hate to be Kyle Dubas right now because you want to keep everything intact, but at the same time, if it still isn't good enough, you got to make a major move at some point. Other teams have done it. it it's got to happen at some point, whether it happens this season or next season, he's got to make a big move. And I think maybe this is the last time that it happens because if he doesn't, then maybe more questions start to, to trickle in. But I've been a big proponent of him wanting to run it back, give it what they have. But if there, there's a moment where he's, there's a deal he can't refuse, he's got to do it. Yeah, and we'll we'll welcome Alex back. A uh, few technical difficulties, but uh, you know that's Boys, worst. The worst part about those technical difficulties wasn't even that I got kicked out of the pod. It was that it just completely crashed the progress I made on my article. The article <sighs> that I was literally talking about like five minutes ago before I kicked me out of the meeting. <laughs> I, I I I didn't get too too much done of it. Thank you, thank, thankfully I only got the first uh, the first real heading done, but. Yeah, no. I'm it's, go back uh, and rewrite that now. That's that's the beauty. That's the beauty of uh, doing this crazy stuff. Is that we're we're gonna run into some difficulties at times, but we're just kind of getting into the 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 summer of Kawhi move and uh, speculation mm-hmm. that they're, you know, we can't we can't as as a fan base we can't fall in love with with the faces that we see on this team because the potential of one of these core guys potentially being moved. Um, is, is very much a, a real possibility. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on the, on the suggestion that the Leafs might have a summer of Kawhi move up their sleeve? Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I think the, I, I think the whole summer of Kawhi narrative is stupid. I, I, I don't think that the Leafs are going to go out and make a big trade just because the Raptors did a couple of years ago. I don't think those situations are really comparable. The Raptors had won a couple of rounds by the times, by the time they made though, or they made that big move. So um, now having said that, I still think there, it, there's a possibility that the Leafs could go out there and make a big move. Like, you know, I, I caught the tail end of what you guys were talking about. I'm assuming you were talking about someone like William Melander going out. Um, I mean, I, possibly, I could see the possibly, Leafs. Yeah. yeah, possibly, obviously. I could see them making a big move this offseason, but I don't think that they're going to go out and make one just to make one. I think mm-hmm. it's, I, I think if they're going to make a big move, it's either going to be in between the pipes or it's going to be another big name to add into their top six along with the guys they have. Because, you know, if you guys, like I'm sure you noticed throughout the series against Tampa Bay, one issue that kind of presented itself was the third line stopped scoring aside from David Camp's two goals. Um, and they also had a bit of a revolving door on the second line as their, as their fifth or I, I, I guess not fifth as their sixth forward in that, in that top six, because you have um, like when you, when you not, sorry, not even, I guess in the top six, because William Nylander was playing on the third line. Sorry, this has been a train wreck trying to get this thought out, but um, you mean like, when you take the forwards in order, you have to assume Matthews, Marner, Bunting will be back together again next year. I feel like Tavares and Nylander will probably be reunited because I don't, I don't know. I mean, Nylander looked fine alongside Engvall and Camp, but I don't think that's a role that Keith is going to put him into full time. And after that, you've kind of got a bit of a revolving door of your Alex Kerfoots or your Ilya Mikheyevs or uh, your, uh, those are the, mostly the two guys that spent the spent time with the bars. I guess you could throw on Jay Kasha in there as well, but I think if anything, they're not going to downgrade from their forward group. I think they're going to trade for a big name forward to, um, 
to put into that top six. If we're talking about a quote unquote summer of Kawhi move, I feel like it would be something like that. Maybe like I said, either addressing the situation between the pipes and bringing in a true proven elite goalie or bringing in um, another forward to add to that top six. So I, I, I could see the making a, a, one of those moves, but I wouldn't call it the summer of Kawhi move. I, I don't really get that comparison to be completely honest. I was yeah, also no. going to add too that if they do make moves, it's probably going to be smaller ones that, like you said, to build up the depth and build around the core as to just making a deal to just get rid of it or, or shake everything up. And even like free agency, a couple of names that you could probably look at that could make an impact in your top six. So definitely something to keep an eye on there. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think he, Kyle Dubas said, he's not going to just make a change just for the sake of making a change. Like at the end of the day, this team has the talent to get past the first round. It's just a matter of actually doing it. Um, you know, and Jack Campbell played out of his mind, uh, had, you know, maybe one bad game that first round. A lot of didn't have maybe the, the, the um, support of the team in front of him, And that's what cost them. But at the end of the day, like I do, I do understand the need to not fall in love with these guys because you are at some point going to have to go down that road and, and possibly make a move. And I'm not going to compare it to the Kawhi Leonard move because I don't think you're going to fall in love with these guys the same way that you fall in love with, you fell in love with DeMar DeRozan. There was, there was a brotherhood there between DeMar mm-hmm. DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. And I think that's what we fell in love with um, speaking as a Raptors fan, but from a Leafs standpoint, like, you know, you know, the Leafs aren't going to let Austin Matthews go anywhere aside no. from if he leaves in free agency at some point. Um, you know that Mitch Marner likely is not going to go anywhere. Likely. So at the end of the day, I mean, you're really looking at maybe John Tavares, who is not going to go anywhere because he's got a no trade clause and he's not yeah. going to leave Toronto. That's his, that's his home. And William Nylander. And the expectation is that one day at some point, they're going to have to make that tough decision on whether or not they trade William Nylander. Um, so I think, I think we all kind of know what's coming. Um, so in that aspect, it would not be even close to the, the summer of Kawhi because that move to move to Mar was, was unexpected. Yeah. It, it wasn't something that the fan base saw coming. They didn't want to lose Demar. Whereas I think there's like, there's a healthy split when it comes to William, William Nylander. He's a very polarizing player in Leafs nation. Um, that said, I, I, I think they run it back. I, I really do. I think the changes that happen this summer are going to be minimal. I think the big change is going to be in the net if, if Jack Campbell decides to test free agency and go somewhere else. Um, but even from, from, from just the outside looking in, I can see Jack Campbell looking at this and saying, like, this is, this is a chance I have to win with the group that I, I – and you can see the love he has for this team. You can see mm-hmm. what – you know, like I, I brought it up last podcast where he, he was brought to tears because he didn't win it for Jason Spezza. Like, this is a guy that wants to be there. And, you know, Mich- I believe a Michigan boy, right? Like, he's from, he's from Michigan. So, I or mean, Huron. Or yeah, Huron. Port Huron. So, not, not far from, from home, which is, is something to consider as well. Um, unless Detroit were to go out and offer him some crazy deal at, you know, five and a half, six million a year. I can see Jack Campbell coming back. And I know it's funny I say that. We'll get into my article in a little bit here. But um, 
I just think like you, if you're the Maple Leafs, you don't want to make many changes. And, and, and I like what Matt Sundin said recently, he came out and said like, stick with this core because you are going to get rewarded. And I think that's the biggest biggest problem in sports is that like because of the salary cap, you're forced to change so much so many times. And I mean, realistically, when you think about it, Toronto's probably one of the richest teams in the NHL. And if there's no salary cap, they'd be bringing in free agents yeah. left, right, and center. And they'd I think be that they got the constantly. second most the second most out of all the like NHL teams behind the New York Rangers in terms of like revenue, don't yep. they? Yeah, yeah, very likely. And, and and at that point, you're talking about the U.S. dollar probably yeah. makes a major difference as well. But for me, I think it's – you get you got to give it one more go. You got to give it one more shot. Your 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 core is still relatively young. Um, Austin Matthews is just hitting his prime, like just hitting his prime. He hit 60 goals this year. Start of his prime. The it's start the start of his, of his prime. prime. Yeah. Like he's yeah. not – he's not even – what this kid's going to do. And I, I can say kid, I'm 30, I'm going to be 34. So I can say kid, what this kid's <laughs> going to do is, is going to be it, it. Like we're, we're going to witness something very incredible if he stays in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm kind of with Alex. I don't really, I'm not going to really lean on this summer of Kawhi narrative and, and say that, Hey, something big's going to happen this off season. I think, I think they're going to be, pretty small changes, maybe, maybe on the bottom six, just to fill out that depth and, and figure out what they can do to get a, a third or fourth line that can go out there and get it done in the playoffs. I'm just going to throw this out there too. Should Matthews hit free agency? What team is going to be as close to winning a championship than the Maple Leafs at that point? Well, not necessarily. Okay. Yeah. Well, Tampa Bay is in their own cap hell at this point as well, where it's going to be a revolving door, but at the same time, I'm not saying that they're the least are knocking on the door in a championship. Um, but if they get to that point, do already had that conversation at the end of season with Matthew saying that they're very close, that there is something there that they can win. Matthews wouldn't be saying that, or he wouldn't be leading that way to having success with this team. If he was going to leave in free agency, there's unfinished business with him everybody else on that roster. I think he's going to stay here because he says that there's something special with this team. And hearing that post game with that conversation that Dewey said about Matthews and how they want to keep him long-term and how they want to make him a leaf forever. I think the feeling is going to be mutual. I, I understand if he wants to go back home, if he signed with Arizona, but at the same time, a 5,000 seat arena. No, Look, he's- just, just no. I, you can't. How how can you foresee that happening? Other teams have their star players intact. They're up against the cap as well. It's going to be tough for him to try and go anywhere else unless he's going to like an actual team that's outside of a playoff picture that can afford the cap space. The only way he's going to ASU is if he wants to win a Hobie Baker. Okay. Um, <laughs> aside from that, right now he's going for a Stanley Cup. That's that's yeah. that's what he's or going if he, for. Or if he wants to win like the 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 uh, ASU Flip Cup championship. <laughs> Which I heard is very, very <laughs> winnable harder. at this point. Oh, I was going to say maybe even harder to win than the Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, but no, I, I, the, I just think he's a guy that feeds off of that that winning. He wants not, to win. not only winning, but that 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 fan base where they did they just thrive the off of the entertainment yeah. from the from the game and. He, he's got that cockiness to him. He's got that cockiness and he loves to perform. And I think 
what better place to do it than Toronto? I, I, I honestly believe that if this guy goes anywhere, it's going to be late in his career and he, and he, and he goes maybe back home to play in Arizona for a yeah. year before he calls it yeah. quits. But I think he tries to win in Toronto. He tries to stay with Toronto as long as he possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, like we've talked about it before, now you've got Matthew Nyes there as well, another Arizona kid. Ooh. It really does. It, it 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 can be very enticing to to create that kind of relationship as well. So, the one thing for me is that I just look at the fact that the Leafs are the most, I would say, arguably if not the richest team in the league. So, when it comes to it, worst case scenario, you know, the Leafs are going to offer the highest. They're they're, they're going to offer him the biggest contract. They're they're not they're going to they're offer him a blank check. Teams. Yeah, they're giving him a blank check. They're like, listen, you're a franchise player, arguably the best player of all time, uh, first true superstar since Matt Sundin. What, whatever you want, it's yours. Mm-hmm. So that kind of wipes away any concern of any other team being able to pay him more. Yeah. So now we get to the point of it's like, if he were to take less hypothetically to play somewhere else, where would he go? And like you guys said, not going to Arizona because he's not going to go to a team that can't even pay their fucking rookie signing bonuses on time. $40,000 signing bonuses. He's not going to go to a team where good behavior is part of the clause to make sure they don't get kicked out of a college arena. He's not going to go to a team like that. Even if he grew up there, like you said, Forbes, he might do it at the end of his career once mm-hmm. he's, you know, once he's, he, he's done all he's needed to just to go and live out his dream of playing for his hometown team. I'm sure that'll, that'll be in the cards later on in his career but not in a couple years time, kind of like Tavares was when he, when he signed his contract with the Leafs. And after that, like, I just don't understand like what other teams are going to be throwing him what he's worth. Right. Like even if it's other teams give him slightly less than what the Leafs can offer him. Like, do you really see a team like say, I don't know, uh, the New York Rangers or the LA Kings. I just use those as examples because um, Matthews loves the spotlight and you're going to be under a spotlight playing in big cities big cities like that. So do you really see the Kings or the Rangers or a team like that throwing him like 12, $13 million to come home? Or do you see him having the cap space for that? I just, I don't see any scenario where Matthews leaves Toronto. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I I don't. And I, you know, I'll come back and eat my words if it ends up happening, but I just don't, I just don't see it happening. And his best friend, you know, is from Canada. So, I mean, yeah, he can't, he can't really go wrong there, but no, I, (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know, boys. I, I, I'm going to jump over to, because we brought it up, the, the Campbell. Before um, we go over to that, I'm just going to say, how fun would it be to see Matthew Nyes, Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner on one oh, line? It'd be unbelievable. There you go. Unbelievable. I don't know if we see it next year, but I oh, think... Oh, not next year, but maybe in a, two or three years. Yeah. Welcome to my yeah. TED Talk. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Um, Jack Campbell. Maybe the next to the defense, maybe the biggest question mark in the offseason right now. Um, will he hit free agency? Does Toronto have enough to sign him? Is his price tag going to be too rich for the, the team based on the salary? So I, I said it. It's funny that I said that he stays and that Toronto finds a way to get it done because I, I recently wrote a post about how Leafs Nation should get ready or should be saying goodbye to him now. Um, and my, my thinking behind it is that here's a guy who over his career has not, not played well at the NHL level until he came to Toronto and really put up some solid numbers. Um, he's thrived in Toronto and, and he, he deserves to get paid. 
like simple as that. He deserves to get paid. He deserves to get, you know, a good chunk of change and, and uh, you know, um, finally, finally get that, that uh, NHL paycheck that he, he deserved as a, as a top pick in the NHL draft. Okay. That being said, I've, I, I said it before the injury this season kind of played against him. The, the, the lack of consistency to start the new year kind of, kind of played against him. We've talked about what Jack Campbell's worth. Alex, I'm going to throw it to you first, but if, if the Leafs have to say um, goodbye to Jack Campbell now, who is a viable replacement for this guy? And I, I've seen some names thrown out there, so I'll let you guys kind of talk first. But, Alex, if, if there's no Campbell in net, and you can, you, can, you can jump right back on the Campbell train and say he's going to be back. I'm totally for that. But if there's no Campbell, who's, who's in net for the Leafs to start next year? You, you guys let me get pretty far into that sentence before, before <laughs> making the gesture. I didn't even, I was like, I had my hand on my head on my hand and I was kind of looking off to the side and then I looked back over and the muted notifications on there. your screen anyways, froze again for a second. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> anyways, I, what I'll start off by saying is that I think Campbell will be back if he takes less than market value, but that's a big if, especially seeing that Kyle Dubas just signed Peter Mrazek to 3.8 million. So that kind of throws a wrench into things. So if it's not Campbell coming back, I think you got to take a look at two different options. Um, Cause if they decide to go for another guy kind of like Campbell, you know, somebody who hasn't truly broken out of the league yet that they're maybe hoping to get on a cheap deal. You could look at someone like Billy Huso on St. Louis. Um, that's obviously uh, something that, you know, might be harder to come across based on how the rest of this playoff run goes with Jordan Bennington being injured now. Um, but we'll see. Could be an option. Um, but then there's also the option of going for a big name goaltending target. And I'm almost leaning this way over, over going over, or sorry, going after one of those kind of wild card hasn't broken out yet names. So a guy like John Gibson or a guy like Connor Hellebuck, I think would both be very worthwhile targets between the pipes and it would cost a fortune, but I am willing to give up. And I say this as if I'm the least GM and I'm the one sending out the assets. But if I'm Kyle Dubas, then I would be willing to put together a King's Ransom package to pull out an elite starting goaltender like John Gibson or Connor Hellebuck to Toronto. And, you know, Gibson hasn't looked great. I mean, not, not that he even hasn't looked great. He's just his stats haven't been great over the past couple of years as the Ducks have sort of fallen, back, fallen down to earth. So I would like to see what Gibson could do as the backup or sorry, as the starting goalie on, on, a, on a Leafs team that, you know, has a strong defense, has a strong forward core. Um, and same with Hellebuck. I'd like to see what they can do with a goalie like that, because we saw a glimpse of it back when, back when Freddie Anderson was, uh, when the Leafs first acquired Freddie Anderson. But the problem is, is that the longer Freddie Anderson stayed in Toronto, the sort of more he deteriorated. And I know it looks stupid to say that now because he's, he's having the season of his career in Carolina, or he had the season of his career just in Carolina. Just won the Jennings. Just won the Jennings yeah, as well. Just won the Jennings. So, um, yeah, in that sense, it's tough because um, because Freddie Anderson, you know, at one point um, was that guy. And he sort of kind of dwindled as the as – the, it seemed like as the Leafs team got better, Freddie kind of got worse. So, I don't know if we've really ever had all the cards line up where there's been an elite starting goalie in between the pipes behind an elite team all around. So, 
I think if the Leafs are going to replace Jack Campbell, I'd like to see him go after a big name guy like one of those two players or one of those two goalies I just mentioned. But I don't think it'd be out of the cards to bring in a guy like Huso either. Well, I mean, you've taken both names that I've kind of had floating around there in Huso and Gibson. I, 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 I do think those are two very viable options. Um, Peter, what, what are your thoughts on, on the Jack Campbell situation and the Maple Leafs when it comes to goaltending for next season? Yeah, I think if you got to bring in a goalie, you got to make a trade. I mean, you're already looking at an aging Mark Andre Fleury, Nico Koskinen, Darcy Kemper. I can't see him hitting the market, and he's probably going to resign in Colorado. I'm going to jump in there for one second because I believe Nico Koskinen is already off the market. Really? According to reports, he's already signed a contract with HC Lugano in Switzerland for next season. So oh, really. I'm so, you know what? I am so, if that's the case, then what? I'm so happy. For, I'm so happy for Miko Koskin, unless there's like a Swiss Jim Matheson out there waiting to torture him. No, I, I, I heard from what I'm reading, he's not even, he's not even going to test the market in the offseason. He's just going to go straight to Switzerland. He's already signed a contract. I believe Bob Hartley's out there right now. Um, and he's the one that's kind of wow. uh, looking at this deal. But that, it does take one option off the, off the free agent market for the NHL. Wow. Okay. So, uh, scratch Nico Koskinen then. Um, that's, that's really big news. Really. Wow. Um, where was I? Yeah. Um, well we can scratch off Koskinen, uh, Kemper. That's funny, is probably- that, that's funny that that news would come out while the Oilers are in the playoffs. Like, uh, you know, I, I think after everything that happened this season, I think the Oilers just said, you know what, fuck it. We're not, we're not bringing you back. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Fuck! I've had enough with this the the NHL media out there. So I'm I'm going back to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. That on, honestly, <laughs> I I truly believe that's what happened. And and the Oilers probably said, you know what? Sign it now and and lock yourself up for a future. And it is what it is. I, I that's I'm just I'm just guessing here. But I I mean, he came in tonight for uh, five minutes while Mike Smith went to concussion protocol. So. Um, I think that's probably the last you're going to see of Miko Koskin in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and just going back off what I said, I mean, Thomas Grace, Georgiev, Samsonov is an RFA, uh, Martin Jones, Braden Holpe, Campbell, obviously. Yaroslav Halak is 37 years old. I mean, if you want to get a good solid backup, why not go for him? But those names are not starters that are going to get you far to win a Stanley cup. So your best bet is to go after a Connor Hellebuck or a John Gibson. And I saw, I believe it was a conversation between uh, Sebastian Jackson and Sammy uh, Turpak where they were talking about uh, John Gibson and people are already shutting that uh, down that idea because his numbers have been bad the past few seasons. If you look at the last three seasons, that's when the ducks started to go into not necessarily tank mode, but their rebuild mode where they're building up picks, prospects, stocking up. And obviously the results aren't great. And it's sad that John Gibson has to suffer as a result of that because of the poor performance in front of his team. But at the same time, his numbers are still absolutely good. And this was like two, three seasons ago where he was actually being considered for the Vezina Trophy. I mean, 27-18... 17, 18, 926 save percentage, 243 goals against, 917, 284 in 18, 19. And then that's when things started to go downhill from there. 
But at the same time, you put him in front of a good team and a solid defensive core in front of him. Why, why not take that swing? Why not get that chance? Because his numbers are going to go right up with the defensive unit as be, somewhat better than what it is in Anaheim right now with the Maple Leafs. And yeah, they could probably hang on to him and say they're the goal, he's a goaltender of the future for them. But as, at one point, when does he prioritize winning instead of being a part of a rebuild where their star players are just coming up right now? So if you do get a goalie, you've got to bring him in. But I still think that maybe you do sign Jack Campbell to a contract that's similar to Darcy Kemper at 4, 4.5 over four years and maybe find that middle ground between the two because, yeah, he looked like he was going to earn that five, six million at the beginning. But right now, because of the injuries and everything like that, everything came down to earth. And I, I hope that kind of diminishes it. You don't want it to, to diminish his value, but sort of like playing the middle for both sides. Listen, you want high. We think that this is more fair and go in between kind of thing. So hopefully that that's what comes to it. I'm hoping for 4.5 as the max for hey, Campbell. Look, look I'll, I'll say it. I hope it diminishes his value big time. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the guy. I love the guy. I, I want to see him in a Leafs jersey. Um, I think he's I, – I, I truly believe that he's got something to prove. Um, I think – like he's become so much more mentally strong playing in Toronto, which you know is is crazy to think considering that the the way the media is north of the border. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. For me, realistically, like if I'm speaking as a Leaf fan, I'd love to see Jack Campbell come back. Um, you're gonna get him for cheaper than what what uh, John Gibson's gonna cost you. You don't have to give up assets. That's the biggest thing to consider. Right now, John Gibson's got, I believe, it's five years left at six point four million, and he's got a modified no trade clause. Yeah. So there is again some hurdles that they'd have to get over to get, you know, John Gibson in there. Anyways, I think if you're looking at Jack Jack Campbell, I know you said four point five. I I'd say five million is kind of your limit, and that's that's. Yeah that's assuming that you move Peter Morazic and that maybe, maybe Eric Shogren's your backup going into 2022-23. I mean, it, it's not the ideal plan, but Shogren played fairly well in the majority of his starts last season. He at least stole games. Morazic he did. did it. He, played, he played well. He, he, yeah. he impressed me more than I thought he was going to. And I, I, was, I, was, I was excited about him because – Alex was on the Shogren train from day one. I was, I was like, man, this guy's, this guy, I was all hyped up. I, as soon as he came up, I was like, <laughs> man, we're going to be good. And he, he played well. And, and because of that, I'd give him an opportunity to be that backup play, you know, go 60, 20 or, or 55, 30, 30 or whatever. Right. Like just play it so that, you know, you give this kid an opportunity as well to, to show what he's worth as well. But you're, you're not overplaying Campbell as well. So I, I think Campbell comes back. I'd really like him to come back. If you can get him for four or 4.5, that's great. If you have to pay him five, you do it at a short, mm-hmm. at a short term. So two to 3 million. That said, Leafs Nation, don't hesitate to wave goodbye now because there is a chance that he does leave at free agency. I, I will say before we move on from this topic that my only concern with Jack Campbell and giving him five million is just the fact that his durability is still not great. Yeah. And you know what? I, I would give him five million if it was for two or three years, but I don't mm-hmm. think I'm giving him five million on a long term deal. No, mm-hmm. absolutely not. Yeah. 
because I like I said, I want Jack Campbell to succeed in Toronto as much as as much as the next guy. I want. I agree with you, Forbes. I think his mental game has taken massive strides since he's been in Toronto. You know, you, you go from this, the version of him at the start of the year where he'd beat he'd beat himself up and he'd and it not not the start of the year I should say, but the start of say the the win, the 2019 or sorry 2020 2021 season the COVID season. Um, he would beat himself up when he didn't have a good game. He'd be like, I know I can do better. You know, he'd have these starts where, uh, where, where the Leafs would lose 2-1 and Campbell would make 40 saves and he'd say, I need to be better for the guys out there. And it's just like, he doesn't do that anymore. He knows yeah. when he plays well. He knows when he has a bad game. He knows that the best thing for him to do is to go to bed and, you know, don't outright forget about your bad starts, but don't let, the, don't let them affect you. You got mm-hmm. to be able to move on. You got to be able to look at your past starts objectively. And uh, he's learned to do that. So I think if he can, if, you know, if he wants to take less and your, you know, sacrifice term for a higher dollar value this year, then um, I think that's fine. But I don't want him to be a long-term commitment as of right now. Well, boys, uh, the best part about Jack Campbell is lately he's been betting on himself. And when I like to bet on sports, I use (laughs) DraftKings. I see what you did there. It's on Ontario DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, has arrived. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports from MMA to hockey to playoff hoops and so much more. Bet special parlays, spreads, money lines, and more. Plus, do it now for anywhere in, from anywhere in the province. Join the action, download the app, and explore everything DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer to celebrate the pursuit of For the Cup, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a wide variety of betting markets for all their customers. Right now, you can download the Sportsbook that is is offering two-to-one odds on on a hockey team to score a goal every day in May. You can also check out DraftKings' impressive features, including same-game parlays, select a game, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, goals scored, and more for a shot to win big. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Get excited, Ontario DraftKings Sportsbook is live, so you so go to the App Store now and download the Sportsbook app that is offering 2 to 1 odds on a hockey team to score a goal every day in May to get in on all of the action. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 19 plus physically present in Ontario. Eligibility restrictions apply. See http colon slash slash sportsbooks dot draftkings.com for details have a gambling problem know somebody with one call connects ontario 1-866-531-2600 that's 1-866-531-2600 please play responsibly as you can hear we're back with DraftKings for another few episodes here make sure you use our promo code that's sit six s-i-t-6 for some great uh great offers when you sign up um Gentlemen, a uh, little bit more here with the, the Leafs talk before we head over to a little NHL news. Um, Alex, you had a recent article come out at the Hockey Writers as well about uh, just the press conferences to end the season. A lot of talk about keeping Keith, keeping Dubas, not really making any changes in the front office. There's been a lot of Keith hate, though, on Twitter recently. And, and some people are saying higher Rick bonus. Some people are saying higher Barry No, Trots. no, hold on, hold on, hold on. No. 
so, people are not saying hire Rick Bonus. Arash Madani is saying hire Rick Bonus. Sorry, yes, he is, Arash the, he is the one person that had that take. There are a lot of people out there who are saying they should hire Barry Trotz. Arash Madani was the only one to say that they should hire Rick Bonus. Anyways, uh, I just wanted to clear that up because that's truly a take only one person can have. It, it, it was incredible though because the the response to that was just like everybody was like Arash. Like, what would you, how would you? Wasn't it wasn't it Matthew's agent who came out and said something to Rash Madani yeah. about like yeah. how would you feel if they just replaced you on Sportsnet? Um, <laughs> uh, you gotta love it. It sucks because I like Arash Madani uh, like in, in the sense like the work that he does for the Jays. I yeah. think he's really good at his job in that mm-hmm. sense. But it was man, like just, just a bad take. Sometimes you just gotta stay in your lane. Yeah, no, absolutely <laughs> stay in your lane. Oh, <laughs> love it. Um. Anyways, Alex, what are your thoughts on the Leafs? Obviously, and their and their end of season press conference and what they had to say to not only not only the media but their fans as well. You know what? I think I, I think they did a good job, sort of reading the room when it came to their fans, and I think they said a lot of things that fans wanted to hear. It, it, when you, especially when you compare it to say last last season's locker cleanout, when, um the Leafs essentially just pissed away a series to Montreal and, you know, Dubas had to come out and say, he believes in this group. He believes that they have what it takes to get it. They have what it takes to get it done and stuff. And no fan wanted to hear that because of the way they lost the series. But I think the fact that they played the way they did this year and, you know, they did lose, but because of the way that they lost and the fact they didn't quit until the end. And like Matthew said, they were right there. They were right there. So I think in that sense, they said the right things. And I think Shanahan's making the right call, giving, uh, um, giving Keith and Dubas his, uh, his nod of approval for this season. Um, I don't know how firing Sheldon Keith or firing Kyle Dubas would make the team better for next year. I know that's what fans want to see because it's change. And, you know, there are a lot of the fans out there who are like, oh, because they lost the six first round losses in a row, you know, you got to do something, just shake it up, do something. And we've seen knee jerk, knee jerk decisions, uh, fuck this team over in the past. So uh, I'm glad they didn't make a knee jerk decision. I'm glad they realized that the shortcomings this year were not on Sheldon Keefe. They weren't on Kyle Dubas. And, uh, that's all I really have to say about that because everything else that was said at the press conference just sort of pertained to running it back. And we already had that discussion. So I think they're making the right call, bringing Keefe and Dubas back. I'll leave it at that. Peter, what are your thoughts on uh, the whole, you know, not making a change unless it's needed and, and, and hanging on to a guy like Sheldon Keefe who really hasn't had an opportunity to really put his stamp on this team yet. Sheldon Keefe coached the Maple Leafs to the best season in history in terms of wins, points, you name it. Why would you fire a coach after you almost also dethroned the back-to-back Stanley Cup champs. To me, this is on the players to figure it out, just like it was last year. It was more so on the players to figure everything out. To, yeah, you could disagree with some of the coaching decisions that Keith has made with lineups with Justin Hall and Lilligren for the playoff series. You could disagree with Kyle Dubas and some of the decisions and acquisitions that he's made, fine, but none of it, to me, warrants any sort of firing. Like for me, I, I still don't think that Justin Hall should have come in over Timothy Lilligren after one bad game because he's able to bounce back. But, you know, it happened, whatever. 
it's still not the no reason to fire Sheldon Keefe over after what he was able to accomplish this season. Maybe next year, depending on how next season plays out, then you may look have to make after you make some moves to improve the roster this season, even if you keep the core forward, then maybe next year you do try to look at maybe a change. But then again, Keith has had a really has a really strong regular season record, and I know it doesn't reflect that in the playoffs. But considering that this was his first full season behind the bench, and he gave the Maple Leafs a, the best record that they've had in their history, says a lot. And to me, I don't think you should make a rash decision like that, or and even like we said with the roster before. Like if you make it, if you make a roster decision. Make it that benefits the team. Don't just do it because fans say, oh my God, blow the team up because, you know, we're not winning anything right now. No, like, let's face it. They lost to a good team. They didn't lose to a bad team. If they lost to another bad team that had a series that they should have won, then yeah, I agree, changes need to be made. But they were so close. You don't make any rash decisions with the roster just yet with the coach or with the GM to bring Keith and do his back. And the fact that Shanahan still reflected that, you know, I mentioned before he has the utmost faith in them. He was built a good team. Keith knows how to coach this team. Like what, what, wh- wh- why would you mess with that? Yeah. The one thing I'm going to say is like, if you look at what Dubas has done for this team so far, you haven't even seen what he's, he's been able to do through the draft yet. Like, the players that we're seeing right now are not Dubas players. And that's, that is the key right now is like, and that's the thing I hate about sports is that we're so quick to like find, find a scapegoat, right? Like, mm-hmm. Hey, we're two years in and we're not getting the results. Well, Ovechkin took how many years to win a cup? And that Pretty was long. Like, Pretty long. The, like early on in his career, he had easily one of the best lines with him, Alex Semin and uh, Nick Backstrom. They they easily one of the best lines in the entire NHL, and they didn't win a cup that year. There, what you're going to see is Matthew, Matthews right now is is playing some incredible um, individual hockey. Like his numbers are going to tell you, like he he's he in my mind he's the Hart Trophy winner this year. Yeah. What you don't see is what Dubas has done behind the scenes to try and build the future of this franchise. The, the depth, and we talk about the prospects. We talk about what's available for them in the coming years. When these kids make the NHL, you won't have the guys like, and, and this is nothing against the, the, the players that I'm going to name, but the Andre Kasha's, the, the uh, Jason Spetz's, the um, Wayne Simmons, the Colin Blackwell's, they will not be your bottom six. You're going to have guys that are, talented that are coming up that are playing well you'll have the availability to trade somebody like William Nylander because all of a sudden you've got Matthew Nyes waiting in the wind trying to get a a roster spot Mm -hmm. and that's when you can look back and say hey look it's been six years Kyle Dubas hasn't done shit for this team let's get rid of him fine I'll 100% support that until that point, until we get a chance to see what right now we're still still living a Lou Lou Lamorello Leafs team yeah. We're still living out contracts that Lou signed. Um, and I, like, for me, it's, it's like, let's not make any rash decisions. You're talking about 24 and 25 year olds that haven't got the job done yet. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what the 24 and 25 year olds that work at my work, they're shit as well. They're not going to get the job done on a nightly basis. Simple as that. The motivation's not, not 
not the same as it's going to be when he's 27, 28, approaching 30, the prime of his career, and all of a sudden you know how difficult it is to get to, to put on a run. These guys don't know how difficult it is. They're used to winning. Matthews is used to winning. Marner's used to winning. I'll tell you what, Marner in London won every single year. Yeah. That guy went out there and put on a show in the OHL. He's used to winning. When they, when they realize how difficult it is, and that's why I want to keep a guy like Giordano around. That's why I want to keep a guy like Jason Spets around because they've been around. They know how difficult it is to go on these runs. They need to be the voices in the room. And if you keep Jason Spets around for another year, and I think we talked about this last pod, get him to the 1,000-point mark. Yeah. Right. Let him play 40 regular season games and let him get, get into the playoffs because he plays his ass off in the playoffs. But those are the guys you need around the room. And until I see what Dubas has done with this team, I, I'm okay with him being there. I don't think you need to move yeah. him. I don't think, I don't think Sheldon Keefe's had the, the proper opportunity to, 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 to implement the system that he wants to implement, to let these guys play the way that he wants to let them play. Give them an opportunity. Let's see what they let, let's see what they can do over a full eighty-two game year, where fans are in the building. We're not we're not having stoppages in play that really fuck with people's mentality. Let's let's get a full regular normal season in the books, and then you come back to me and like like Alex said earlier in the show, I will eat my words. I'll eat them. And, and going. I just want to add one point. You talked about the Washington Capitals. The Tampa Bay Lightning, when John Cooper took over for his first full season in 2013-14, yeah, they've had a little bit more playoff success because they reached the finals and they've reached the conference finals twice. But they've had you know a couple first-round exits. They were out of the playoffs in 2016-17 when they got swept by the Blue Jackets. They went through their fair share of pain too. Let's not kid ourselves. And now look at them right now. I'm not saying that, you know, Toronto needs to match that at Tampa, or I'm not trying to compare Tampa's success to the least non-success, if that makes any sense, if that's even an English term. But, you know, they had their issues. They worked it out with their star players. Toronto should possibly do the same thing, you know? Just a crazy thought. No, I completely agree. Um yeah, I I don't know. I don't I don't want to see many changes to be honest. I think run it back with what you have, um, and and you know see see what you get this this time around and see if you're taking on the back to back defending champions because I think I think right now it's not the it's not the Leafs that are messed up. It's it's the the playoff format in the NHL that's oh pretty fucked up. Yeah, but that's that's uh, that's a story for another podcast. We won't even get into that tonight. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, we'll, we'll be here till next, like week, next week. Next week. 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> did you guys want to touch on Leaf uh, forward targets or or uh, it's up to you? Because I'll be honest with you, I don't have any Leaf targets right now. Um, Neither do I. <laughs> I, I kind of want to wait and see what they do at the draft. Yeah. Uh, and see see. I, I don't even really want to get into free agency right now because I I think um, I think the Leafs are going to kind of hire or, or promote from within. Uh, I think Nick Robertson's a guy that you're going to see get an opportunity. And Alex Steves is the guy that we're going to see get an opportunity. Pontus Holmberg is, is Pontus another one. Pontus Holmberg is a big yeah. one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have, I have some targets in the back of my mind, Go for it, Peter. but I'm, Go I'm for not going to say just yet. I'm not going to say just yet. 
All right, because right. I because I, I I do want to make this into an article as well. Because are you if, Peter? Are you doing the Elliot Friedman thing where you're like, I've got a forward in mind that I think the Knicks are going to target. I wrote it down on a piece of paper. Yeah, and I'm wrote, yeah. that piece yeah. of paper with me. Wrote it down on my phone. I uh, got <laughs> yeah. it in my notes app, kind of thing. Secret, yeah. uh, secretly locked away. Um, nah. Um, I, I mean, I wanted to try and write an article on that to try and see maybe because Shanahan still did mention that they had they still needed to get the killer instinct. And I mentioned this last year on four targets that they, should, that they should try to get with Killer Instinct. Didn't quite do that. Maybe this time they do try and find some names because there are some intriguing names out there. And I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say one: Andre Plot is a free agent. Do the Maple like Leafs it. try and? I, I probably the cap head is gonna be way too much because he's already making like what five million. But then again. If you move, if you make the necessary moves, you move out a contract like Jake Muzzin or William Nylanders that does free some space up. Peter Morazic, free some space up. Alexander Kerfoot, free some space up. And not only that, at some point, I don't think Tampa is going to be able to afford Andre Palat with their with their cap situation as well, unless they give him the same five point three. But it's going to be tough. He's he's one name, but the other ones I just want to keep him in my mind for now. Sounds good. We'll touch on it. Uh, maybe when do you get that article out there? But um, yeah, we'll jump over to NHL news real quick here, uh, just to close out the show. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something out there at you guys. I I, I don't know if I buy it just yet, just because of the the source. But Jet Centric Podcast um, did report that Barry Trotz will be named the next head coach of the Winnipeg Jets on Tuesday, per a league source. So, th- look, take it with a grain of salt. It's uh, it's a fan-driven podcast like ours. Um, of course, we have the outsider insider here as well, so that's uh, that's a little different. But um, take so take it with a grain of salt. But he did he did interview with the club, um, and I mean, it kind of would make sense. They they need. They've gone from Paul Maurice to, to needing somebody that with a little bit more experience. Maybe Barry Trotz is the guy. Um, but we'll see. Tomorrow's Tuesday. Tomorrow's Monday. Uh, I'm, a little, I'm a little messed up on my days, but a couple days. <laughs> That's a long weekend does, eh? Yeah, a couple days. So this will be out on Monday. Uh, uh, Tuesday, we should find out whether this is, mm-hmm. is true news or not. Aside from that, guys, the one thing I want to ch- touch on the Kadri Bennington incident. I want to get your take first off um, on whether there was intent by Nazem Kadri on this play. Peter, I'm no. going to throw it to you first. Sorry. Oh, whoops. Uh, go. Hey. <laughs> oh, no, it? I just no, 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 Peter. You can go first. <laughs> I just I wanted to get my answer in there quick. Well, you I, can go. I, well, I agree with Alex. No. Um, listen, I. You look back at the replay. Kadri and I believe it was Kelly Rosen that he collided with. Correct. Yes. Yes, it was. It wasn't a massive amount of contact, but it's still enough that Kadri was already diving for the loose puck, and it was still enough to throw him off his edge and make him lose balance. You know, I I, I tweeted something out that like you know Bennington Bennington was mad or whatever, and you know because of the whole water bottle throwing incident that he threw that in because of it. Um, if even if it's and and and, I, and there was a comment that said that uh, oh maybe Kadri should learn how to skate or something like that to that effect I don't know I didn't bother reading the full thing even the slightest contact if you're 
trying to go for a loose puck, it's going to throw you off. And Callie Rosen had more contact with Bennington than Nazem Kadri. There was no penalty on the play. It was incidental. I, I, I don't see how that is an, an, a reason for Jordan Bennington to once again lose his temper and have a hissy fit to throw a water bottle at Nazem Kadri during a pre, uh, post-game interview and try to show some sort of intimidation factor against him. And even now, Kadri's a victim of racist attacks with pol- the police getting involved. Like, I, like it, it really is sickening at this point. It really is. Um, but I, I know we're probably going to touch on that a little bit more. But no, it, it, it was not. There was no intent whatsoever. I mean, it was a hockey play, bad outcome. And not only that, I'd argue that maybe the hit on Samuel Gerard was a little bit worse than that because of the size. Di- I mean, the size differential between Barbashev and Gerard, it is noticeable, but it still was a pretty bad hit regardless on how you looked at it. I thought that was more worse than the collision with Bennington. Alex, your thoughts. I know you, I know you don't think there was intent, but uh, your thoughts on the overall play and the response by Bennington uh, postgame. Well, I mean, the response by Bennington is par for the course. And I just want to go out on a limb right now and say that if those two are are reversed and if Kadri's the one throwing a water bottle at Bennington, I guarantee he gets suspended five games. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because the league is racist. I just wanted to say that. Mm -hmm. The fact that they turned a blind eye to it and actually had to say, oh, he's not going to face any sort of discipline. Emily Kaplan said that that if if there is any discipline, she said it'll likely be a fine. That's it. Well, and it's looking like True. there's not even going to be True. a fine at this yeah, point. Yeah, there's nothing. Like they didn't even man, bother looking at it, which like says a lot. We we've talked about we, we've talked on this on this podcast a number of times about how horrible this league, um, how horrible this league is, and how how their their responses to addressing racist incidents and stuff aren't. It, it's always they always miss the mark every single time, mm-hmm. and while. Obviously, there's no like evidence that this is racially. Like, I'm not saying that it was racially motivated, but I think that the league would have jumped in a lot sooner if it was Kadri throwing the water bottle at Bennington. And oh yeah. Way. And I, I, you know, another eight games suspension for him. Yeah, honestly, and it's on my mind too because I read that tweet afterwards about how there had to be police called to the arena because of the threats that were being made towards him. And the you scroll Twitter and people were hurling racist and xenophobic remarks at Kadri. And I just think that's absolute bullshit. I mean, yeah. you know, it d- doesn't matter who you cheer for. It doesn't matter the team that you support. doesn't matter the team you hate. You don't, you don't ever cross that line. And um, I, I, I think it's just, I, I feel horrible for Kadri, you know, been, been a huge fan of his ever since he was, he played for the Leafs way back yeah. in the day. I met him a long time ago. And just to know that he, not only is he, not only is he having up a deal with that now, but you know that it's not the first time he's had to deal with racist bullshit in the league before. And uh, I, I, I truly do feel for him. So I don't know. I don't know where, I don't really know where else to go from here. I mean, Bennington's injured for the rest of the playoffs. So it's not like there's, they're going to get to see each other face to face again. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't think there was any intent from Kadri. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there was intent. I think Callie Rosen caught him mid mid stride, bumped him, and I, I honestly think Callie Rosen did more damage to Bennington's leg than yeah. than Kadri did. Um, I think throwing a water bottle. I mean, mid TNT uh, post game interview, like that's 
first of all, that's a fucking it's embarrassing childish. look. It's it's, it's embarrassing. Childish. It's yeah. embarrassing. The, the St. Louis Blues should be embarrassed. Uh, Bennington should be embarrassed. Fuck, Bennington's parents should be embarrassed. Because when you're, I mean, if, you, if you're throwing a tantrum at whatever, he's 28, 30 years old. If you're throwing a tantrum at 30 years old, that you have to throw a water bottle at another guy because, you know, you might have suffered an injury. Like, grow the fuck up. Like, grow the fuck yeah. up. And, and you know what? You're just, you're just the antagonist for the entire thing. So all this, all this post-game bullshit that's going on that he's getting threats, he's getting, um, you know, whether it's him or his family or whatever, they got to get the, the, the police involved. Like, the reason is, is because fans follow the reaction of players. Yeah. When you get somebody like Bennington go out there and say, "Yeah, yeah, it's you know, um, you know it, it, what you know shit happens, it happens, whatever," it's going to be a far different reaction. But when you have a guy going out there and throwing a fucking tantrum, throwing a water bottle in a, the midst of a post game interview, like can you imagine if somebody was sitting at the podium and I just walked into their their massive press conference and, and threw a water bottle right at their fucking face while they're talking to the the reporters? What? How embarrassed would my family be? Like that, that, that's, that's bush league shit. That's stuff you bush do in like, it's stuff you do when you're in like, you're in like grade eight, league. grade nine. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and the fans, as you said, fans of, of a league that rejects change, rejects the idea of trying to create change within their walls are, are the ones making racist remarks are the ones that are making threats are the ones that are criticizing and crucifying a player for incidental contact. It's, it, it, it's, it just, it kind of goes along with what I said last week when I said, I'm just done with the NHL. <laughs> yep. I'm just, yep. I, I, I just, I don't have it in me anymore to try and defend the stupid BS that goes on within their walls. And I mean, it, it's it's been a season long of, of you know you got Rocky Wurtz who's blowing up at at Mark Lazarus. Um, you've got uh, you've got the whole Chicago Blackhawks incident that Kyle happened. Um, Kyle Beach, you've got like you've got the the fact that they don't support the HDA. Like there there's so many so many things here where you could have taken a step in the right direction and they don't. And now you've got this incident and I, I a hundred percent agree with you, Alex. If this was the other way around, Nazem Kadri would be suspended the remainder of the playoffs. I can guarantee it. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee it. And you know what? Good for him for just coming out and saying, you know, like there's, and, and you know what? The other thing is Craig Berube, like, are you, did you really? see the tweet? Of, did you see the article oh, yeah. about him that was dug up? I didn't. I didn't. Oh my God. Well, he's a racist piece of shit himself. I'll leave okay. that. So, so it, it, send it that goes, over to me. We'll talk. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about it later. But send that over to me. But what I wanted to say is, like, of all people to criticize somebody's um, somebody's persona within the game, like, were you not a dirty piece of shit when you played as well? Like Craig Berube was known for for being dirty as well, mm-hmm. for playing on the edge, for play, for crossing that line every once in a while. And you're gonna sit there and say, yeah, it's his. It's, you know, that's just who Nazem Kadri is. I, I, I just, I don't know. I like. I know I said it. I was just about to say, I know I said this before. You ain't going to see real change unless 
Gary Bettman steps down. Unless there's 100%. a whole top-down thing. And you know what? The fact that, te- that teams are – that the Colorado Avalanche and everybody has to be involved with this, it, it's, it's just tough. It's, I feel bad for Nazem Kadri. And the fact that it's happening to players more often right now, especially players of color, and um, the fact that they're getting more attacks so – more often right now and i hope the teams step up and say nhl you got to do better because this is just getting out of hand and i know they're not going to and i know that maybe some teams aren't going to and you know what there just needs to be a whole change of everything even if team owners aren't doing the necessary action that they need to do they need to step down or step up if they need to gary bettman and bill daly they got to do better and unless we're good unless you want change it's, it, it's, there's got to be a clean house approach. There's no way you can have success as a league right now. You won't see it though. It's, it's, it's And that's sad. It's a that's group sad. of rich white men that own hockey teams. Mm-hmm. It's the same in the NBA. Yeah. It's the same in the MLB. It's the same in, in NFL. NFL. Yeah. It's a bunch of rich white, white right. men that, that, you know, these, these people are playing for their entertainment and that's, yeah. that's what it is. And it, you won't see change until you get diversity within ownership, diversity within management, diversity within the organization itself. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a stride in that direction, but we're living and I'm not going to get all political and, and all that shit, but we're living in a society right now that does not like the change. And we've seen it with all the incidents that we've had, whether it be in the States, you want to talk about Buffalo for a second We've seen that. We've seen we see it here in Canada all the time as well. Um, it's something's got to happen because yep. it's not fair to people like Nazem Kadri who's just trying to play his career. And yeah, he he teeters the line every once in a while, but you know, on a play like this, it's not his reputation. Forget, no. Forget his reputation for a second because now now that now there's personal attacks. I don't know. I, that's that's kind of all I have to say about it. Yeah, but um, gentlemen, uh, Alex, anything else you want to throw out there before we shut down episode eighty four? No, I've uh, well, like I said, I'm I got to restart my article now on uh, um, Giordano and what it could mean for the defensive core going forward. Uh, I'm hoping to have an article out on the future of Andre Kasha as well, and potentially an article about why the Leafs should uh, pursue John Gibson. And uh, thanks to our uh, Head of Prospects, Peter. I'm also going to be uh, having a mock draft published at some point as well. I'm going to wait until all the picks are set in stone for that, but I'm really looking forward to doing that as well. So, Looking forward to it, bud. Beautiful. Yeah, 32 we look pick to mock draft. There yeah, you go. go. There you go. Um, Peter, anything, anything you want to throw out there before we uh, we shut it down? Well, I just said jinx, so you know you, you broke the rules of jinx there. Not just joking. Um, Buy me a Coke. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously the draft content still dealing with that. Um, we're in the midst of a mock draft right now with the writers. You, both of you are partaking in it. So uh, Arizona. Love love the pick so far that you guys have made so far. I'm, I'm just going to say that. Um, yeah, and I mentioned briefly about doing an article about players with killer instinct that could be a top six fit with the Maple Leafs. And I know I mentioned Andre Pallott. Spoiler alert, there's one, but I didn't mention two ones that I really, really hope that they do go after. So going to be looking at that. Um, again, the draft content. So Beautiful. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I've got a few more draft profiles coming out. Um, aside from that, I don't know if I can top the Campbell piece. That, uh, that's been rolling <laughs> this week. I don't know. It just keeps feeding some views in there. But you, that was your comment section. Comment? I was just going to say, have you been reading the comments on it? <laughs> I, I read a couple. I read a couple, and there's like 57 on, on the, the, the actual <laughs> article itself. And I was like, uh, I, I, I'll, yeah. I'll probably write back to, to a fair amount of them. I don't, I don't mind. Let's interact. Let's yeah. interact a little bit. I don't mind, uh, you know, dipping my toes in, in the, uh, the, re- the rejection of Leafs Nation. But, oh. um, the comments in my uh, the Leafs deserve better piece. Man, that was a blast. Did they deserve better, <laughs> though? Did they? I think they did. It's my opinion. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, aside from that, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll get some Leafs content out there in the next couple days. And, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what's going on. We'll see what's happening. Off season's in full force here, so we're uh, we're kind of feeding off of what's left in the playoffs. But if uh, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, guys, that's uh, check us out. All, all of us out on Twitter. Um, Alex, you can check check him out at A Hopson Media. Uh, find Peter at P Barracchini, uh, and you can follow me at Andrew G Forbes, or you can follow the podcast at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S T I X I N T H E. 6IXPOD. Uh, find us on Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, anywhere you can download your podcast. I think we're, we're jumping on, uh, what do they have now? Samsung Podcasts or something as well that, that just came out. So we're on, we're on there as well. So check us out there. Make sure you hit subscribe, hit follow. Uh, join us weekly for more of your favorite hockey talk. And as always, thanks to our sponsor, DraftKings. Make sure you check out DraftKings for all your sports betting needs and use SIT6, S-I-T-6, when you sign up. With that, that's another episode in the books, episode 84. We'll see you next week.